Dispensing wisdom, inciting awesomeness, scaling joy. Welcome to the Mojo Studios podcast. It's time to turn down the deluge of distractions and put yourself in a mindset of receptivity and growth. Absorb, digest, apply, repeat. Dinner is served. Well, welcome. Uh, we are here live recording. And of course, for you who are listening, it'll be live for you, even though our discussion will have long been done. But I love that, that uh, even the fact that Jeff and I are talking at a different time that you're listening to it, it's live for you, wherever you are. In fact, live is a key word here, right? Being alive is a gift that many of us just take for granted. Um, and one of the things I take for granted sometimes is the friendships that really mean a lot to me. Jeff has been my friend for longer than either one of us want to admit, right? So probably, gosh, almost 30 years, something like that. Uh, we met in college, both trumpet players, got that in common. And uh, it didn't take very long before we became really good friends through shared experiences, shared beliefs. And then um, because it's Mother's Day, I want to speak uh, in glowing terms about Jeff's mother who really adopted me uh, right out of college or during college and then right out of college uh, after spending many nights, fun evenings at Jeff's house uh, and even setting up a graduation, a mock graduation for Jeff in his living room. Uh, his his mom and dad, his, his whole family, just I fell in love with them. They fell in love with me. And, and so when I graduated from college, I didn't really have a place to live. I was still trying to figure out what my next steps were. And Jeff's mom and dad just said, just come live with us. We got room or we'll make room. And there was no strings attached. There was no expectations. There was no rent. Uh, they would provide whatever they could for me. And and Marty, Jeff's mom, treated me just like one of her own kids. And I got to tell you, I mean, I could get choked up about that right now because I've realized as I look back over my life that I've had so many people who who played mom for me, right? I had my biological mom who I never really met. And then I had my adoptive mom. My sister kind of mothered me after my parents divorced. Um, and then I, my stepmom. And then I got people like Marty, my, my friend's mothers, who they would just love on me unconditionally, no expectations, not, didn't want anything in return, just because I was friends with their kids. And I'm like, to all of you out there, all of you moms who feel like you know you weren't a great mom or maybe you're not even a mom and you want to be for whatever reason you still have that instinct that motherly nature and there are people like me and I just want to say thank you to you for for providing that motherly love to to the strays <laughs> the strays of this world <laughs> hey Jeff tell me a little bit about your mom give me some good memories of your mom and then tell me what she's up to these days she, she grew up in Kansas on a, on a farm uh, picking walnuts uh, pecans for to take to town to uh, Buy her own school clothes and her shoes and all of that and and when they moved out to california in the 50s for uh uh employment because it wasn't so great back in the mid in the midwest at that time uh and became involved in churches she began church work doing sunday school work youth work bible quiz work and just giving her all for for all those that she came into contact with and especially the young people had a desire to see them grow and she sewed into everyone's lives big time uh and the way she sewed into your life is the way she sewed into my life and you're right she she treated you like she would have treated us um and did treat us and uh 
you know, I, I can't be thankful enough for, for her influence in our lives, both of our lives. Um, I will tell you one of the amazing skills she had is she was still uh, directing church plays, Christmas plays, Christmas cantatas, and she was writing them. Uh, when we pastored in New Hampshire uh, at Christmas time, she wrote a cantata and pulled in different songs and whatnot. She had a gift for bringing things together and and, and uh, loving the Lord and loving people. And and so she's blessed. She's blessed us. Yeah. yeah to, Marty, uh, to me, Jeff, just embodies all the best things about moms. And, and I know that you grew up with her, so you know all the flaws and the limitations. That nobody's perfect, right? But when I was in her presence, she was just always the combination of open-hearted and generous, and yet incredibly humble. She wasn't trying to bring attention to herself. She never demanded any praise. In fact, she would de deflect that if there was any even coming her way, and just modeled for me, this is beautiful, unconditional love. And, and I think sometimes we because of the language of the Bible, we associate God with Father a lot, and He is our Father, of course. There's nothing wrong with that. But we miss out on the fact that when God created man and women, even in Genesis, we skip over the verse that says, male and female, He created them in His image. And so there's a femaleness to God. And again, these are our English words that that are limited, but there is a, a nature of God, a, a, the true nature of God's unconditional love that I think are expressed through mothers. And we don't make the association often enough because of the language. Do you, do you agree with that on any level? Oh, absolutely. Uh, how often would I have uh, desired to gather you under my wings as a mother uh, hen or, or bird would do and uh, to comfort you, protect you and whatnot. The, it's, it's as if his attributes were distributed to both male and female they're one they're they're uh, equal and in god's sight and they are uh equally uh needed and ha and equally place their their mark in their lives yeah you know this is this is really interesting jeff because uh we're gonna we're about to talk about what does god have in store for us when life on this earth is done right and so now we fast forward to your mom who is to me, always just full of life and full of energy. I could picture her at the organ at church or at the piano. Just mm -hmm. she was always ready and willing and able to serve. Um, but now, give a kind of give people a picture of where is your mom in her journey towards heaven? Sure. Uh, it is. Uh, if if you're watching this in the next century, uh, in the twenty what in the twenty one hundreds, right? <laughs> Let's go back to the present. Uh, but uh, the year is 2022, <laughs> mom's 87. Yeah. And, um, you know, as, uh, you know, as our lives are, are like flowers of the grass, we spring up, we bloom, we're beautiful, and we pass away. And, and uh, it's all part of, of, of the life cycle of our crea current creation state. And so she's in that uh, winter period or that winding down period. She's 87. She's had a lot of um, osteo problems. She's had a lot of bone and breaks and whatnot, and she's she's not able to walk. So so that takes a toll on the body for not moving. Anyways, mom is uh, and she she's starting to wind down with some of the cognitive issues that happen in old age to some, to many, and uh, it, 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 she she's she's. You know, she's mom. She's she's Marty. She's who she was. 
but she's having a little bit of trouble communicating that. She's having a little bit of trouble understanding uh, different aspects of how life is being managed for her. You know, somebody else will lead you by the hand and take you where you don't want to go. Uh, you know, we're taking care of her needs, uh, but but it's hard for her. She's she's uh, the body and the the mind is slowly uh, wearing down, and um, it's almost time for her to to see Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It, I just did a funeral, Jeff, about a week ago for the mother of one of my dear friends, and uh, her name was Joyce. Beautiful lady, always dressed to the nines, her hair was perfect. I mean, it seemed like she woke up, she rolled out of bed as a supermodel almost, you know, but she, mm -hmm. she didn't have that air of supermodel. She just was always put together, very classy lady. And uh, I was at the funeral with my friend Dennis. And the night before I texted him and I said, hey Dennis, if, if your mom could just say something to the audience that assembles at her funeral from the great beyond, what do you think she would say? And he texted me back within minutes, he says, Here's the two things that she would say, Joe. She would say, I remember everything and it's way more beautiful than I ever imagined. And I was just like, boom, that is so perfect, right? And so I actually crafted the whole funeral on those just two ideas that are where we are now, Jeff, is accumulation of our memories, right? Everything that we've experienced to now has brought us here. And oftentimes we think that that has determined where we go from here which that's a false narrative, right? Because uh, uh, we're accumulation of our memories, but then like your mom and Joyce, they get to the end of their life and they start to lose their memories and they don't recognize the people that they love the most and they don't even remember who they are. It's for some people when it gets really extreme and I hear in your in your voice and I feel it myself, this, this um, sorrow that somehow they're losing a portion of who you've known them to be and who they've known them to be. And yet to hear the words that Dennis would give to his mother, I think it's the same thing your mom would say, is that I remember everything now, right? So all of all of the memories that make me who I am, they come flooding back and I, I, have, I haven't forgot who I am. I haven't forgot who you are. And it's way more beautiful than I ever imagined. And I, I love that because just a, uh, maybe less than a year ago, Jeff sends me this book out of the blue. He calls me and he says, hey, Joe, what's your address? And so I give it to him and then this book arrives and I'm like, Jeff, do you realize I, I don't really spend much time reading books? He's like, this one's profound. And Jeff's a reader. So how, Jeff, how many books have you read in the last, let's say, year or so on average? Uh, I'm doing about 20 a year right about now. Um, I really took a spike in in reading for many different reasons. but uh, and, and some of the numbers have come down because I'm getting these volumes that are much larger. But I try to just keep consuming as much as possible. Yeah, so Jeff's just in full-on growth mode, right? He's trying to learn everything he can about as much as he can to help him understand how does the universe work and then how do I show up in it and be as effective in, in impacting the world for Christ, right? So he sends me this book and he says, Joe, this is one book I read among many, but this one is really profound to me, John Eldridge's All Things New. And so out of respect for my friend, I'm like, well, I'm not really a reader, but I'll, I'll give it a try, right? So I open it up and I start paging through it. And pretty soon I am sucked in, right? I am all in and I'm reading this thing. And my kids are like, dad, are you reading a book? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, believe it or not, I am. And every night, man, I just be on the couch, just zooming through this thing. And I digested the book way faster than I normally do. And it's like every chapter is just, just I'm 
I'm having epiphanies, I'm having mind blowing, and I'm getting really excited about heaven, right? I mean, I used to carry this phrase, and I think I've told this to you, that the older I get, the more attractive heaven seems. Because yeah? when you're young, you're like, okay, kind of hold off, Jesus, don't come back too soon, because all these things I want to do. But then life happens, and you go, okay, I'm done. I'm ready to. I'm ready for something better. And, and that's what God promises us, right, Jeff? So what is it about this book in particular, of all the books you've read, and I know over the last few years, we, we were on the 60 to 100 books, I'm guessing, and you picked this one out, and you went to the effort to mail it to me. Why? Why this one? Well, this, this book, um, and, and it, you know, it, at first it can sound, you know, uh, too much sales, like, like this is the best thing ever, because <laughs> this book really... Uh, really blessed me because it it really took and answered the question of uh, what what am I going to do forever on this cloud in heaven with my harp and my toga on or whatever I'm going to wear. I mean, this we live our lives knowing and believing, but not having a um, kind of having a push pull kind of relationship in our heart and mind with what's the new existence going to be? How is it going to relate to this? And when we don't understand something, it, 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 we don't have a full appreciation for it. And the, the insight that, that the author gives uh, just opened my heart and my mind to an appreciation of heaven to where it's, it's not the far off thing. It's not the thing that's going to interrupt my life. Um, it's not, you know, any of the, any of the trite little phrases we might use. It's going to be a fulfillment and a mind blowing opening. It we're, we're getting ready to be born in, into a new marvelous existence. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I didn't even think of it until right now, Jeff, but being reborn into a new existence. Um, but what the author makes really clear is that the new existence isn't going to be foreign. It's not going to be like going to a different culture. I remember when I traveled to India for the first time, after studying cultural anthropology, I thought, I'm prepared, right? I'm this anthropologist. I go to India and and I am I am so disoriented, so discombobulated. I mean, culture shock is rocking through my body for two weeks. I couldn't figure out what what is wrong with me, right? I should I should be able to handle this. But I, I'm what I got from this book, among many of things, is that heaven isn't going to be culture shock. It's actually mm -hmm. going to be the fulfillment of, of the longing of our hearts, all the things that we love them deeply and dearly. It's not like God's erasing all that and say, okay, I'm going to give you something better. He's actually going to take that and fulfill it in ways that we couldn't even imagine. Is, is that kind of how you interpret what he's saying? Absolutely. And that's the, that's the mind-blowing thing. It's not some other existence. It's, it's just a blossoming of who we are. You know, the Apostle uh, Paul, I believe, said that, uh, you know, what's sown in the ground is not what comes up. You know, what comes up is what we're going to be. You know, we're always, you know, what, what are we going to be? What are we going to be? We're a seed of that. So we have the DNA of that. Right. But we're yeah. not that flowered plant that's really going to you know, be beautiful. Uh, not that we're not already beautiful, uh, but, uh, and, and, and it's, it's so it's, it's, it's related to us, but it's so much more of us and it's yeah. so much more of, of God and what he's going to have. So yes, yeah. absolutely. So I'm, I'm fascinated now even more than I have been before. And, and I never fully understood this. I kind of had a little bit of a grasp when Jesus says, 
the kingdom of heaven is now, but it's also not yet. There's this this push and pull, as you the great description that Jesus says, "Look around you. Here I am. I'm here in your existence, and the blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the dead are raised." And and Jesus is saying, "I'm giving you a hint, like a, a foretaste," is the the word that comes to mind because of the foretaste of glory divine is a song you and I sang as kids, but God's like giving us the appetizer to say, heaven is going to be so mind blowing, mind bending, heart expanding, all these words that we can't even give it, but it, here's what it looks like. It's, it's the fulfillment of all the things that bring you joy. I guess why that really hits me is because I'm, I'm in my mid fifties, I'm getting ready to break the speed limit this year. Okay. And, uh, except for in the school zone, I'm always breaking that. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, we had that midlife crisis. I always thought that was crazy and some hormonal weirdo thing the guys go through. No, I'm 50 some plus, and I have less time on the, on the earth. Um, I don't bounce back as fast. Some things I can't do. Some things I can do with a lot of effort. It so so. There's this kind of this crushing feeling that, oh my, I'm not going to do what I wanted to do. I, I'm not going to build this. I'm not going to lead that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not, and that can be crushing, yeah. you know. But when but when you you get your eyes open to what the Bible says about Him making all things new. And him, you know, there's so many hints and clues about, you know, ruling and reigning with Christ. There's so many things that talk about that future time. And when you get it opened up that it's not just an ethereal kind of nondescript existence, but that it's actually a fulfillment of humanity as they were created to be in the family of God, um, it, uh, it releases that angst. Because it says, no, 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 you're not going to not fulfill that. You think that's in your heart just to frustrate you? No, I'm going to bring that to fruition. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, oh, my. And then all of the struggles of how do I do this? How do I do this? Oh, I can't do this. And you're, you you can let that go. And, and you can actually be better at what you're doing now because you're not in that angst. But, you know, the, the Bible says that we're supposed to look for his return. You know, we're supposed to have those those uh, uh, lamps full of oil, anticipating his return. And and some people have said, you know, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. That doesn't even make sense anymore to me because I'm so heavenly minded. I'm doing so well on earth. Yeah, right. <laughs> is, is, is really what it is. We we need to be we need to have that desire to be with Jesus here and there. Like you said, in both kind of worlds at once. But, but it's getting ready to go big. Yeah, yeah. No, this is awesome, Jeff. And so then and when I think of this now and the not yet, it's just exactly what you just said, is that heaven is it's in the future for us, in our existence. It's not in the future for him because he's outside of time, right? So it, it's in the eternal now for him and for all of our loved ones who have passed away. They're in the presence of Jesus. Time is no more. And they're living, they're, they're living the fulfillment of all that desire. Like you said, all those things in your heart that you wanted to th thought you could do, wanted to do whatever that was. And in fact, I've heard so many people in, in different cultures come to this place where I, I'm made for something more. I'm meant for something more. There's something more for me to do or to be. And yet 
as you said, many people get to the end of their life or even get to retirement and they're just frustrated. Like, well, I, I never, I never got there. I never fulfilled what I think was this, who I was intended to be. And then I hear a lot of growth and development people talking about, you can fulfill all those things, but they're pretty much grounding it in the here and now, in the earthly existence that you can fulfill all of that while you're still alive. And I'm, I'm, I'm a yes and guy, right? So Jim Collins wrote that book, Good to Great. And the big picture in that book is um, rather than looking at the world and spirituality in your life as an either or, look at it from a yes and perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it looks like a contradiction or it looks like you have to choose, but maybe you don't. And so maybe when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's here and I am preparing a place for you, Jesus said, right? So maybe it's both. Maybe Jesus broke into our existence and says, you can live into the fullness of what I've prepared for you in the limitations of this earthly existence. And you can fulfill all of that desire for something more, all the dreams that you had for yourself for eternity, right? Absolutely. And, and I want to propose that it's not a red pill or a blue pill choice. Yes. It's a yellow pill. Ooh, yellow. And Why? We are, we're, we're in the super matrix. You, you see Ooh. what I'm saying? You've got I this, don't. Tell me. This is oh, good. Oh, come on. Have <laughs> you watched The Matrix? Oh, yeah. Many times. Okay. So it's the blue pill or, or the red pill. And are you going to live to where you don't really know what's going on? Or are you going to go into the matrix where this stuff is? Is And, and I, you know, I'm the book guy and, and not the movie guy. So uh, right, right. I, I watch the movie, but I don't every, catch everything, you know. But anyways, it's not a choice. It's, it's both. Yeah. And it's and the yellow is the sun rising into the into the glory and and the super matrix. In other words, it's above uh, the existence and the quote unquote matrix. It's the super matrix that is wow. what, what the kingdom of heaven is. I love that, man. I, I'm a big fan of the matrix. and You just took it to a whole another level there. <laughs> That's awesome. So. I, I want to I want I want to define for people what does this mean? All things new. This is my, not my de definition or even John Eldridge's, but the biblical definition. At first glance, you think that is all things new means that all this stuff passes away and then it's it's new as in if it's foreign, right? We we talked about this a little bit, but really I think the word that the the Bible is bringing us is all things are renewed. So the heavens and the earth are renewed, restored, like you could say to Eden to the way that. It was originally created. So God creates earth to be perfect and he makes man and women to enjoy it and enjoy walking in the garden with their creator in this communion that none of us really understand. And then sin separates us. We make bad choices and there are consequences, natural consequences for those choices. And so it all gets clouded. It gets gets shrouded. You know, we don't understand anymore. And I think that John Eldridge and C.S. Lewis and some of these great writers that, and thinkers are saying we're all on this journey, and even Joseph Campbell, who's not even a Christian, would say we're on the hero's journey, where we're going into a place that it kind of kind of bites, it sucks, it's scary, it's difficult, but it's not just for the difficulty. It's to learn, to grow, and then go back home to where we started. So you put that in a macro sense of what the Bible is saying. It started perfect. It's now a struggle, but in the end, it's all restored. It's renewed to the beginning, right? You, you make the full circle and wow, that's just, poof. Grow, build, make, create. Create, Not, yeah. not from nothing, but from, from what God has provided. 
I, I believe that that is going to be our drive, that 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 we're going to be in the state that that he created, but we're we're going to still have that that DNA in us to go and do these kinds of things. It's the renewer, making all things new, or renewing. The the Bible says he renews all things, uh, and he's going to bring things into order. I like to use the the earth's resources, but I also want to save the whales, and I also want arbors and sequoias and. I, yes. I, 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 you know, we're going to have that. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to save the world. He's going to save the, the babies. He's going to save the whales. He's going to save everything. Um, and that's just what, uh, I don't even know if I answered your question, Joe. It's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. So you talked about sequoias and I've been to Sequoia National Park. I think you have as well in California. And it, it is breathtaking, right? It is. Yeah. You stand at one of those trees and, and you've seen about them, you read about them, seen pictures on the internet, and you get there and it takes your breath away. You're like, oh, whoa, holy God, right? Look what yeah, you yeah. have done. And I love this, Jeff, because for most of my life, and I think many people that I've talked to, when the Old Testament uses this language of fear God, we think it's be afraid of God because he's got the hammer and and as soon as we pop our head up in the papa mole, boom, he's just pounding us down and said, bad boy. And so then you live small, you live afraid. Turns out that's not what the word means at all. That's a terrible, terrible English word that takes the, the meaning of the word out. When you dig in and you find out what the language is about, that original language, that word fear, it just means you are so much awe and wonder, it takes your breath away. So you, you, you go to Yosemite Valley and you go through that tunnel and all of a sudden there's the panorama of Half Dome on one side and El Capitan on the other and the waterfalls in the river and you go, whoa, right? It just takes your breath away. That's awe and wonder. That's the fear of God. Not afraid, but just in awe. And I think how much more when the veil is lifted, like the Bible says that we see things now like through a glass dimly. It's, it's, it's translucent. So we get a hint, but we don't see it clearly. Then the scales are pulled off your eyes and you standing in presence of God, and you can see him face to face. <gasps> Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it takes your yeah. breath away. He he wanted our fellowship, and he created us. He put us there. He made us in his image. There's there's something more than just spanking us for bad things. There's there's more than than just there's more than what I can even enunciate. Right. He he made us in a special place. We don't understand. Our context. That's why when I talk to you about our context, what is our context? Who are we? Where are we? What is going on here? Yes. When you know your context, you can know what God has created you to be and what what's what's coming. Maybe not all the details, but right. like you said, we know it's going to be a bursting forth and a flowering of our humanity into the forever uh, super matrix. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Jeff, uh, I want to turn this a little bit. Let's ground this into. How does this practically apply to us who are doing our best to survive this life? And we all want to thrive, but sometimes we're just in survival mode. And we, but we sense even in survival mode, God's got something more for us. And and I don't want people to resign themselves to the fact, like, well, I'm just gonna hunker down until Jesus comes or until I die, and not enjoy what God has for me right now. And so couple couple ideas here that I want to bounce off you. One is John Eldridge makes a big, big point of hope that knowing 
what God has prepared for us, even if we only get a little glimpse of it, gives us hope. And, he, and the Bible itself says, hope is the anchor for our soul. Well, anchor, well, that's, that's a really interesting picture, right? Because you need an anchor so you're not tossed to and fro by the storms of life. Hope is our anchor. Well, hope is a future tense word, right? It's that I believe there is something better and it's real. And so I can, as you said in your own words, I can not just survive, but I can thrive in the midst of the chaos and the pain and the trauma and the confusion and the deterioration of my body and my mind. Why? Because I, there's a hope that anchors my soul. In spite of the turmoil, I know something better is coming. And in fact, even those who commit suicide, they do that because they have no hope, no belief that there is a better future. So this does ground us in reality that all things new is God's promise that don't give up hope. I have prepared, I am preparing a place for you. Absolutely. Uh, what what that hope does, that understanding of, 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 the, of who we are and what God has for us, okay? It brings that hope, like you said, and aspects that are connected to that are peace, because your mind's not running through, oh my gosh, what's going on? Well, you know, it brings peace. It brings joy because of the realization of how it's fitting together and how you can grasp onto that. It brings excitement, right. um, contentment, um, and, purpose. and all, purpose. And all of those things are part, part and parcel with hope to keep us going. Um, and, uh, and you're absolutely right. Every one of us has gone through hope shattering situations. Yeah. We, we have friends have gone through life shattering. You look and you go, I don't know how I would survive that. Hope keeps you moving forward in the midst of the crisis. And that hope is knowledge. It's the knowledge of God. It's the knowledge of Christ. And, and when we get that knowledge and we then internalize it and activate it, uh, that hope builds and that fulfillment will come. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, Jeff. I, I immediately went to the story of Job, who, you know, people, even who aren't believers, understand Job because it's such an archetype of suffering and then restoration, right? So God, for reasons we'll never completely understand, allows Satan to torture and torment Job and take away everything that he held dear and tell Job had nothing. And he had, then he had this choice. Do I curse God and die as my wife is encouraging me to do and my friends? Or do I say the Lord gives, the Lord takes, takes away, and I don't get it. I don't like it. It's not fun, but I'm going to bless the Lord anyway. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in that, mm, in those ashes, right, God brings out the beauty. That's that's the biblical, biblical language, beauty for ashes, which is it's actually all of our story to some degree or another, right? We get crushed, we get disappointed, we get frustrated, we fail, we make bad choices and there's consequences for that. And then we feel like, you know what, it, uh, this, this, this sucks and it's not really what I had thought it was gonna be like. And then in that moment, we have a choice, curse God and die in the moment, right? Maybe not even at the end of your life, but you just give up, no hope or say, I don't understand, my mind can't wrap my, I can't wrap my mind around it or my heart around it, but I know, this is that hope, I know that God is real, 
that God has a plan, that it's way beyond my understanding. And so I'm going to say the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, and it was isn't what I would choose, but I will receive it. I will accept it because I believe there's something greater at work here. There's someone greater at work here. So I will continue to bless the Lord, not be not for my suffering, but because for the God who can make beauty out of my ashes. Absolutely. And what what we tend to forget is that the the crushing moment is like an instigating um, situation. And while we're feeling crushed for the time period after, we're actually in the restoration process, but we don't know it or sense it. We're still reeling from the pain. I could, we could talk about a surgeon who's fixing the problem, but he's cutting, he's making pain, and it's a process of healing, and then you're going to be healed. We could talk about a, a furniture refinisher. This mark has been just marred across the top of this table. To get you back to the right place, he's got to pull out shards of whatever struck it. He's got to sand it down. He's got to apply um, filler. He's got to sand that down again. And then he's going to some states. I mean, on and on and on. We're, we've had this, this trauma. We've had this experience. We're in that healing process. We don't understand it. And like Job says later on in that book, oh, I, I just covered my mouth. These things are way too, they're way too deep. They're, they're, they're beyond my understanding. I'm going to cover my mouth. When our family was going through uh, losing our house and, and um, trying to find employment and being behind on the rent and everything through situations, uh, it was just making me ragged in my in my soul, not my spirit, my soul. Yeah. And it was so tough. But I never once blamed God because I, I read that story. And I would say, you know what? This is really tough, but I'm going to cover my mouth. I don't, these are things too much for me to understand. And I, and my kids watched this for years. Yeah. And, and I, I, in the, in the recent last year or two, I've, I've told the kids, I see, you know, I'm sorry that during uh, your growing up, there was times we lacked different things or couldn't get everything we wanted or, you know, I couldn't get a music lessons. There's so much we missed out on. I said, I am so sorry for the things you missed. And they looked at me and said, uh, really? Uh, what did we miss? We didn't know we missed anything because they were being, my hope was giving them hope. My walking through was giving them walking through. So even when we talk today about things that believers can uh, strengthen in, can take to strengthen in their lives as they're doing it, they're strengthening others and maybe don't even realize it. Yeah, man, it's really good. And and then Jeff, so I heard you say, you know, and I feel the same thing. You weren't able to provide for your children things like music lessons. And yeah, I'm sure the list is much longer than you just said. I feel that myself. And yet this is what this would this is what the, the glory of the of the book and the Bible says, guess what? You might die, your kids might die with never having a music lesson. There is eternity for them to learn every every instrument you can think of and ones that you can't even imagine, right? Mm -hmm. So to go back to our early part of this discussion, what am I going to do in heaven? Sit around in a toga and strum a harp and, and bounce around on a cloud? God's saying, are you kidding me? No mind has perceived nor has entered the hearts of man the thing that God has prepared for you. So you want to learn music? You're going to become a chief musician. You you want to you want to fly? You're going to fly without airplanes. You want to whatever. You name it. And 
And then the more you learn, the more you grow, the more you want to learn, the more you want to grow. And it's unlimited. It's eternally learning, growing, expanding. And as you refer to, there's leading, there's responsibility, stuff that we don't completely understand, right? And so as bad as things might get, as much as they suck, as much as they might hurt, we might get out of our own hero's journey on this earth, or we might get out of it in glory. Either way, eternity starts now, right? Eternity doesn't start when I die. Eternity, as you said, you take the yellow pill when you're alive, not when you die. And the sunshine it would, that was always there, the clouds part, you realize I just couldn't see it. So that your eyes are open to the reality that was already there, that I can live in the kingdom of God now, and then when I get in, in Jesus' presence and he wipes away all the tears from my eyes, which is such a tender picture of the motherly love of God, right? Just wiping the tears from my eyes and, and binding up the wounds and healing my broken heart and said, now go play and play with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Enjoy because I made this for you. Absolutely. And to circle back and uh, about my mom, you know, when I go and visit her, I, I'll tell her, you know, mom, you look great. She says, I look terrible because, you know, she's old now. You know, she's. it doesn't mean you don't look great. It just means you don't feel like you're great. I'm looking at her. I said, mom, I don't look at you dilapidated. I remember your, your, your strong arms. I remember your cooking. I remember your playing music and singing. That's who you are. You just frail at the moment, but I know who you are and, and you're beautiful, mom. I tell you that. And that's just, and you're getting ready when you walk through that door, when the Lord brings you to him, you are all of those things and you'll become more. You are, you're, you're amazing, mom. Yeah. You know, you're talking about the, the builder has to sand things down to fix it and the surgeon has to cut in order to heal. And I heard Michelangelo, and I've used this illustration before, Michelangelo say, when he was asked, how did you, how did you sculpt David? You know, the, the pinnacle of sculpture. And he says, all I did is take away the pieces that weren't David. I just peeled away the stuff that wasn't supposed to be there and revealed the beauty that was already there. And I think this, this happens to us as we're growing. And, and sometimes it hurts, like the chisel, the hammer, and the, the sparks are flying. And the, and the chief builder, the, the beautiful architect, the creator of all is taking away the pieces that don't belong. But if, but when we transition from this life into eternity, all that is gone. And now we the beauty of who we were created to be and who we are to become is revealed in all of its glory. And so, as the Bible says, you know, our bodies are tense. It's just the the temporary housing for the true essence of who we are, which is our spirit and our soul. And when that's taken away, just like with Michelangelo, then the true beauty and the unlimited, supernatural, eternal God-likeness that God created us, now all of the facade is gone, the tent has faded away, and the real beauty that lasts forever is revealed. Amen. I, I'm, I'm with you and I'm excited. Absolutely. So God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Jeff, for your time, for your friendship, and for your mom. Please give her a hug and a kiss for me. If this episode was beneficial to you, be sure to pay it forward, sharing it with others who may need a boost as well. Until next time, dream big, start small, act now. Mm-hmm.
Thank you.